The robots are coming, but it might not be as bad as you think. In fact, AI-powered technology has the potential to accelerate your customer service and give your staff the breathing room to do what they do best. In this episode of Title Talks, I speak with Hoyt Mann, president and co-founder of Alana.ai. We talk about his background in the tech industry, how he and his partner are laser-focused on solving some critical challenges for title professionals, and what role AI will play in the near future. I'm Amanda Farrell, and this is Title Talks. You were also at Alta One, right? How was that? I was, yes. Uh, Alta One was fantastic. We had a really good, had a great time um, interacting with uh, with our customers, interacting with with folks, and really just enjoying New Orleans. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Becky, our CMO, was able to go, and a couple of uh, other people from our sales team. I joined virtually, which was really fun. I got to hear a couple of sessions, but yeah, it's, it's good to hear that was a good trip for you. What, did uh, did you do the uh, the roulette? The um... No, you know, I, I like clicked the button and then I got really anxious and I clicked <laughs> off. I was like, no, I don't want to. I'm not ready. I like was not prepared really to interact with people. So I had that like introvert moment where I was like, no, 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 Amanda, you don't want to do this. <laughs> Hey, isn't it funny that you know we've been in this virtual world for you know year plus and uh, almost two years and we're like still a little bit camera shy we're like oh you know. i yeah no i'm an elder millennial as they say and um i'm definitely more i i prefer text-based communication in general i was i remember dial-up i remember napster i remember like the advent of the internet when i was in middle school and so okay i mainly communicated with people via aim when i was <laughs> in middle school and high school and i think that that <laughs> definitely feeds into my introvert tendencies so yeah video just like scares me way too much like so so aim being aol instant, instant messenger, messenger yep. yeah yeah so i'm i'm older but I was tech forward. I, I remember those days. Yeah. I was really the generation. So the Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates were probably about five to seven years ahead of me, you know, maybe 10 years ahead of me. So they were kind of basically, you know, forging forward with their companies. And I was kind of coming into the, into the world as uh, the technology world. So you know, it's, it's interesting if you read any business books and you, you know, some of my favorites are, are ones that kind of tell stories back when, you know, these companies were, were created and it's like, was Bill Gates really this really super sharp guy? Why did he have the opportunities he had? Um, so I see you're nodding your head. Like, I'm not sure if you're saying, yeah, I, I've heard these stories or yeah, I've, I, I know of them. But t timing was such a key part. I mean, they were of an age and they had opportunity and access, like Bill Gates had access to a mainframe computer that mm -hmm. no that nobody really had access to because of the cost, you know, just, just to have any kind of opportunity to be on a mainframe, to actually program on a mainframe. It just it was just super expensive. So you had to have access into into these systems kind of through a back door or through a way that um you know, kind of stealing away into a university to be able to pour all your effort and time into something that nobody else would have access to. And again, brilliant guy on top of having access to things that never nobody ever had access to kind of launched him into um, his career. Yeah. And that's actually a really great segue into, you know, the first question that I have is about how you got into this field. I was reading a little bit about your background in developing customer service software. So maybe you can go into that a little bit now. Well, and so I was talking about how, 
my my age, you know, grad graduating high school, going to college, and and going through business information systems degree, and having a dial up to do my programming exercises, and coming out of college as a as a mainframe developer, and that was my as business slash mainframe developer, and so coming out of school with that kind of expertise gave me an opportunity to, and I kind of walked into a world of there was a paper processing we were working for the federal government as a third party and there was a lot of papers processing um, and these forms processing and then we were putting data systems on top of this this very manual labor intensive data entry process and i really kind of got cut my my teeth if you will in this world between mainframe and really the onvent of personal computing and so as those two worlds clashed together i was just right there at the right time and I was in a company called Electronic Data Systems. So EDS is the name of the company. And there were 80,000 people at that point worldwide. Now they're HP, a long history there. But when I was there, I had an opportunity to join a group called the Internet and New Media Group. And so we were launching, and I should, should kind of show um, the plaque on my wall, but Pepsi.com was the first uh, web property that we launched. And that was uh, Pepsi's first presence on the internet. So of my time coming into technology and into internet technology was at a time where people didn't have websites. Big brands like Coke and Pepsi were just launching their web presence and uh, and doing some pretty innovative work along those lines. So it was a a very exciting time to, to be coming into as the internet was developing from a word-based, links-based internet to images to websites with, you know, real audio, with streaming audio and, and games and, and things like that. So a lot of fun. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit then, what was this transition from, you know, where you started out to where you are now? What got you into the title industry and uh, yeah. maybe a little bit about how Alana came about? Sure, sure. So, so I always like to say that you either are born into the title industry, or you're tricked into the title industry. <laughs> and, and I'd been involved in VC-backed technology companies, you know, build it and they would come type technology companies with hundreds of millions of dollars in funding and just money was no object and and all these toys at your fingertips. And when that dot com bubble busted you know, burst, I should say, back in 2000, about 2000 timeframe, 2001 timeframe. When that happened, I'd been on that roller coaster for so long. I said, look, I'm out. I'm going back to real business. And I had a friend that had a contact at a software company in title. And I said, I'm ready. Let's, let's build a product, have some customers and good solid customer service. And so at that point, that's when I joined a company called RamQuest. And RamQuest was at that point, probably about 20 people. They were in this very uh, old type downtown office building. And when I joined, there was a guy, uh, the founder of the company, Randall Nelson, had interviewed me. And again, I'm a software developer. And Randall looked at me and he's like, well, you don't program in the language that we have. I don't have a use for you. I'm like, Randall, I'm hungry for a job. I said, just let me work here for a month. You don't like me. You don't like my work product. You don't have to pay me. I'll work for free. And Randall's like, oh, okay. I, I don't see what the what I could lose. And so that was almost that was over 20 years ago. 
and Randall and I are still working together. When RamQuest grew to a point and got sold to Old Republic in Land America in 2005, Randall and I exited that company and started a company called Phaseware. And Phaseware is a customer service and support company. We built a software that we thought, hey, RamQuest could really use this, being a robust enterprise class type customer service and support solution. So we built this with RamQuest in mind. So over, I guess, better part of 17 years, we were dealing with some big organizations dealing with customer service and support. And we got to see firsthand what good customer service and support looked like. And we were building tools to support that process. So as we were dabbling in AI for that company, we said, hey, what would it look like to take AI from a customer service perspective and take it back to the title industry um, thinking about RamQuest in those days. And we both got pretty excited over that concept. And we said, we think we could do some pretty fun things. And then with COVID coming in, that issue came even more prominent. And so we had already had the product built as COVID hit. And it was, uh, we just kind of started riding that wave at the top of the crest. So I, I was curious to know, what are some of the unique challenges facing title professionals when providing customer service? We, when we ask real estate agents what their number one, the number one thing that they want in a title company is communication. Like that is right. the word that they say over and over again, good communication. So, you know, how, how does a tool like Alana and other customer service software sort of help bridge those gaps and maybe help them? overcome a lot of those challenges they have with customer service and communication. Yeah. I mean, so the key component is there's always a challenge of staffing, you know, in a month, you're probably well staffed for one day within that month. <laughs> so, so, so because all the other 30 days of that month or so, you know, you're either understaffed or overstaffed that flow there is, is challenging um, even in the best of times. So when it comes to, how do you deal with the fluctuations of customer service and, and the support needs? Really, if you lean into this idea of a 24-7 type customer support function, it's like, well, how do you really deliver on that? You know, everybody wants to say, hey, we provide great customer service or great customer support. But really, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, what does that really mean? Generationally, it can, it can differ. But again, if, you're, if all your staff is busy doing closings, that means nobody's available for a phone call. And, and if you drop an email in, that could take a while to get to. And all of it requires humans on that side of the equation. And I think that's the unique challenge. Have you heard directly from any you know key partners like real estate agents, their reaction to when a title company does implement a software like Alana? Have you ha had any feedback regarding that? Yeah, absolutely. I so we'll just audit the chats and as we see them come through for different customers. And so there's a machine learning component of Alana. Alana is AI, but that's the general umbrella. You know, the, the more specific technology is the natural language processing. So the NLP that, that Alana implements. Well, for the NLP to be good, she has to be trained. So she went from like a baby brain to like a toddler brain. And the way you get through that is learning and trial and error. And we have to go in and show her, oh, well, you should have answered it this way. Or she got to a point to where she's just like, I don't know, and gives her, throws her hands up. You know, we actually show her what the correct path would have been. And by the, us showing her that path, she creates a neural network of more scenarios that she can apply that same learning to. And so that's machine learning. So being able to create this Alana brain that's there to answer these questions 
and we watch the chats come through, they're very entertaining because Alana has a personality. You know, she uses emojis to communicate back and forth. She can tell jokes. She has, you know, people, you know, we'll see chats come through that say things like, wow, you are so fast at typing, you know, how do you do it? And, uh, and she, she'll respond, hey, I'm a virtual assistant. I'm, you know, I'm a conversational AI virtual assistant. The guy, like, well, you're so cool. We love you. She's like, thanks. <laughs> so it's, there's humorous conversations like that almost on a daily basis to where she can almost do things faster than a human can do. And she has access to the backend production system so she's able to reach in, grab a document, and send it to somebody really as quick as somebody can log in, find the file, find the document, take the document, attach it, and then send it along. And so that's where we see people getting really excited is Alana's picking up a lot of the mundane tasks that they otherwise would have had to do. And having simultaneous conversations without all your staff being you know, on some web chat. Yeah, it definitely makes sense too, especially when you think about when someone has a question about their upcoming closing, they're most likely working the same business hours that a typical title company is working. I know real estate agents do a lot of their work on the weekend. So it, it makes perfect sense to have a solution like that. And the fact that she's so quick to, to learn and to engage and that she has a tone that's so personalized is, is really cool. I, going back to this concept of um, communication and poor communication, the industry is bracing for new CFPB regulations, more regulations, and poor communication can lead to a lot of trade quality control violations on the closing disclosure. So how does Alana help assist combating communication problems with lenders? So Alana can communicate with anybody outside that title company, you know, having information available so that all parties can be adequately informed of different disclosures, you know, having that 24 seven to make sure it's timely to get that information out, whether it be a lender, whether it be a real estate agent, whoever it is, they have to have access to this information. It's gotta be easy for them to get to. And it's really, truly, it's gotta be in the flow of how they do business day in and day out. Yeah, and it, again, it's, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, these volumes are increasing and it just creates more opportunity for somebody to misstep. And so having systems in place that can help along the way is, is critically important. Do you get resistance still from a lot of people in the title industry about implementing AI software like this? And if so, what do you say to, to people like that, to critics about how, you know, maybe they say Alana can't solve our customer service, or maybe she's not as good as, you know, our secretary Dottie or whatever. So what, what are your kind of comebacks to that kind of thing? I love Dottie, by the way, she's the best. <laughs> and, and that's what we find that in and out. Um, the culture, the company culture of a title company been built over can be literally decades, if not a century of history that builds the identity of a title company. And that culture comes through, you know, through those decades of existence. And so as you, as you take that culture, this established culture and try to mesh in this, this AI to, to be in essence, uh, an employee of the title company, there's there's resistance there it's like again like Dottie, she's like i don't want somebody coming in and replacing my job you know i'm the person that needs to be talking to our customers i'm the person that they want to talk to 
well, that's great, but yet Dottie's 65 years old and really could not be there in the next few years and looking for retirement. That is where AI can come into play, which is AI is scary. If you talk about it to somebody who is not a technology type person, all they can think about is robots taking over the world. And I mean, you can you can just dream up all these scenarios. <laughs> and so when you talk about it along the lines of, especially from an escrow officer's perspective or closer's perspective, and, and talk about it along the lines of, you're really giving a higher level of service to your customers. And it's meant to be something that is going to benefit your customers and create a smoother closing experience, elevate your customer experience by giving them information in a timely manner and in 24-7 availability. All that adds to the value that AI can bring to a company. But again, you have to understand where they're at and understand that and, and kind of show a path to this is, you know, people want to text and get information. And if they, you know, your, your generation or early millennial generations, they might define customer service as if I have to pick up the phone, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> if I have to talk to somebody, this is not where I want to be. I'd rather text somebody and get my information and not, like I said, if I have to call somebody, that's like a last line of a defense. Whereas a generation like mine or the baby boomer generation, their first thing that they're going to want to do is pick up the phone and talk to Dottie. You know, hey, Dottie, this is Hoyt. How are your kids? You know, how's the dog? All that good stuff. And, and those, those are great conversations to have. But again, you know, nothing stays the same. Uh, everything continues to change. And as that change happens, we can help title companies because there's a truly there's a labor shortage. That's where AI can help, you know, give a little bit more of a, a footing for the folks that are going into retirement or the new folks that are coming in and they don't know what a commitment is. And, and they're like, where do I find that? What document is that? And they're tapping on somebody else's shoulder. And so that learning. So now you got two people solving one question that happens 100 times in a day that can be a drain and, and really hold people back, title companies back. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. You know, your point about picking up the phone, I get so much anxiety when I have to call someone. It, and it's so funny too, because I, I guess I, I got kind of tricked into getting into this industry um, as a, a marketer, but I love it. Uh, it's just funny though, because I get emails sometimes where people will be like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, can we do that over email? <laughs> Um, but yeah, when I have to call someone, I get so anxious. So I, my first, my point of contact is definitely always looking for a chat bot or something where I can just type in my problem, get the answers, the solutions, that list of like, here are your options. Oh, this is the pathway I know I want to choose to get to the solution that I know I need. And so seeing that become a, a potential problem solver within the title industry is really exciting for me because I know it'll appeal to so many people, especially people who are becoming the majority of home buyers today. And so that's really important to think about. I think if you are planning on having your title company for the next 10, 20 years, this is definitely the technology that you need to start implementing now in order to service those home buyers today and in the future. You know, I, you bring up such a great point when you talk about that web chat, um, because those chat bots have been around for quite a few years. 
And if you think about those chatbots, they're they're pretty static components on a website. And they can be frustrating because if your question is a little bit outside the lines, those that can be a point of frustration versus a point of customer satisfaction. And that's where, so there's a distinct separation between what a chatbot is and what a virtual assistant is. And so Alana is that virtual assistant that doesn't have these very static pathways that a traditional chatbot would have. And so that's something to, um, to make note of. I think that's, that's something that the, the industry as a whole is becoming educated on, which is understanding that chatbots, they might call Alana a chatbot, but she's much more than that. She's, uh, she, she truly understands. She actually has a sense of humor. You know, if you insult her, she will, she'll say, you know, I'm sorry. And maybe even send a sad emoji if you're berating her. <laughs> so, so, you know, she'll say, oh, I'm sorry. And I'll get you, I'll get you over to your closer. And she knows who the closer is. And so I'll get you over to this closer. And, uh, and if they're not available, I can take a message for you. So it's that level of interaction that can really, you know, quell uh, maybe somebody who's upset. And so she can detect that tone and, and react to it. So that's where I think AI is, is really kind of, again, edging into being more human-like and not just so static and remote. Yeah, that's a really great point too. Um, I had a, a webinar with Wayne Stanley from Bo Digital, and we kind of went yeah. into utilizing automation versus AI and marketing and, and chatbots. To your point, yes, they can either be using an automated um, conversational sort of um, predetermined pathway where you will choose, choose automated. Your adventure. Yeah, basically it's like choose your adventure <laughs> where it's like, what do you have a question about? Here are your options to choose from. So that's important to make that distinction when talking about you know, AI versus automation. Automation is kind of maybe that baby step into AI is how I kind of think about it, especially if you are beginning to make those improvements within your customer service and then within just your, your I guess, technology stack in general, when you are just trying to figure out, well, you know, what can fit within my budget? Usually a, an automated chat bot is like that easy first step to kind of understand what kind of questions are you always answering and then just creating out those really simple pathways to help them answer those questions and then pass on the more advanced questions to either a live person or then begin to think about introducing AI into your technology solutions. And I guess on that point too, I wanted to ask, when I think about the title industry, there are just so many companies in various stages of adopting a technology stack. So I was curious what your opinion would be on sort of the ideal software stack for a modern title company, what does a title company have to do right now in order to even successfully utilize a tool like Alana? Yeah. You know, I like, I like how you, I like that question. Cause you know, that everybody has, you know, you can't run a title company today without some kind of technology in the back office. And so it's like, what is the right technology? And and my thought is that the right technology is the technology you have today. You know, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's a facade. The system that you have today used in the way that it, that it can be used and leveraged is, is key because, you know, so much part of taking a system that you have and maybe evaluating your processes and how you use that system, how you configure that system is key. And then the other side of that is making sure that system has is easily integrated with other solutions. So like 
we're going to be very specialized in customer communications and that's what we're going to do really well. But if we edge over into uh, another space of a title company, we're going to be less able to serve that side of the title company because we specialize in communications. So hopefully that makes sense. Can you maybe give uh, sort of a, a checklist of, because I'm, I'm, it's still a little abstract to me. So I, I like having sort of a checklist in mind of like, I know I need to do this, this, and this in order to, maybe the objective is to successfully leverage uh, an artificial intelligence virtual assistant. So after this podcast is over, what what should be the first thing that they, they do? Yeah, I, I, I think when it, <clears throat> the checklist comes into... I think when it comes to workflow, I think that's probably one of the key elements that uh, an AI um, solution can kind of leverage would be when you have workflow implemented in your title production system, um, you know that you have certain milestones and in each of those milestones, there can be opportunities to communicate. And so I think that's where the audience is listening and they're like, okay, how can I leverage that? It's like, well, how, what are the points in your process or opportunities to communicate? And so, you know, key to, uh, to starting the road of good customer service is communicating information in a timely manner. So when a file opens, you want to make sure that, hey, look, you're, you, hey, I'm Alana, I'm going to be your virtual assistant along this, this journey that you're on, and your file just opened, and here's a text message that can communicate that introduction, and that here's where you're at. But what we, where we like to specialize is asking in that communication asking to start the conversation because that's where Alana specializes and really kind of elevates is um, I've told you that you're at this step in your process, but now ask me what the next step is. And that kind of conversation is where now all of a sudden the technology becomes more familiar to the, your customer and they can lean into that, which is I've saved Alana as a contact, and now I know communications coming from Alana are communications from that title company. So the key is to not only so you leverage your workflow to inform customers, because it'd be great if you could just tell everybody all the steps and they're satisfied, and they never want to pick up the phone, and they never want to send that email, and they, they're, they're happy. But truth be told is, you know, we can text them, we can send emails, we can do everything we can, but you know what, on the, the day before closing, they're still going to wonder, where's my closing? How much do I bring to closing? When is closing? <laughs> even, even all this, this key information that's been over communicated. So it comes back down to where AI can help is that with those key questions, Either you have to have a human on the other end to answer a chat or pick up a phone or respond to an email, or you have, a, you have somebody like Alana. You know, so it's a key element is having the AI in your title company to help out. And we've been talking about Alana, but from a marketing perspective, Alana can be rebranded in a, an avatar, if you will, created for um, a title company. So there's quite a few different examples of Alana customers that have um, different avatars that they use. And so it's great because it creates personality for the title company. It creates you know, a way to help your customers bond with your title company, whether it be Max, a Golden Retriever, or Alfred, a Butler, and they all have stories. And everybody relates with these stories and they understand what the story is behind Alfred, the Butler. And turns out Alfred was the actual founder of this huddle company and things like that. And so, and shows their, their servant type mindset 
of how they interact with their customers. So, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but the technology is a key component because you have to have not only the technology, but then you also have to have the processes with your technology. And then you have to have the people to be able to help um, implement it and roll it out. That's really cool. I didn't realize that there was a avatar feature where you can infuse even more personality and really in a way engage with people using your, your brand, your brand story. So that's, that's really cool. I had no idea about that. And I, I was wondering too, if there were other additional features of Alana that professionals might overlook or underutilize that you might want to share. Yeah. So here's the thing. We, Randall and I are builders. We look at the industry, we see problems and we look to try to create solutions for those problems. You know, one area that, you know, it's not that they're underutilizing it as of yet, but uh, it's an oncoming problem that we see and that we've created a solution around, which uh, centers around the idea of real-time translation of conversations. Having that ability for somebody communicates via Spanish that Alana or whoever, (laughs) Alana or Max or whoever your avatar would be or your personality can respond appropriately based upon the language that uh, is being spoken to to Alana. And so um, Alana is going to speak in over 50 different languages. That's pretty significant when it comes to there's laws in Congress now that are coming through that could require uh, title companies to service their customers in you know, four of the most popular languages in their marketplace. And so when you're talking about languages that you might not have staff that can handle those languages. And so Spanish, we're in Texas, so Spanish is very familiar in our marketplace. But in Indiana, I was talking to a a gentleman just today, and they're saying the second most popular language in Indiana is Mandarin, Chinese. And so um, having a title company be able to support a conversation via Chinese or Mandarin is, um, I mean, it's significant. And so having AI to be able to do that real-time translation that your escrow officer is typing in English, and then it translates on the fly to Mandarin to whoever's interacting with him or her is, you know, that's, that's person-to-person communication or person-to-Alana type communication. So pretty significant, I think, in the world of AI, being able to do that type of, we talked about natural language and understanding the intent behind when somebody asks a question, um, and that's what we're all about. It's not static pathways. It's what do you intend? What are you asking about? What's the question behind the question? And that's what AI tries to figure out. Now we're talking about communicating in two separate languages and trying to understand intent behind a foreign language question. So it's a pretty exciting time for us, for sure. Yeah, that does sound really exciting. And it sounds like a really valuable tool, especially as I keep reading about the expansion of Hispanic home buyers and being able to communicate with those people in a way that they'll understand. And if you don't speak Spanish, then I could definitely see a tool like that being incredibly helpful in helping them navigate the home buying process, regardless of what language you speak. So that's that's really cool. I like that a lot. That's awesome. So that, you know, we talked about the question, this CFPB and and some of the things that are, that are coming through, you know, tightening up that, there's a, that agency. And I think that, you know, language and, and satisfying different languages for your marketplace is going to be a key topic, whether it be forms development or again, just, just, just general communication and being able to deliver a, a disclosure in a way that your customer understands. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's it's awesome that you guys are developing toward that with that in mind and you're sort of ahead of the game on that. So I do have a question too about the Cloudstar ransomware attack. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people in the industry are probably a little anxious to adopt more technology because of that. They might not, you know, fully understand what happened, what went wrong and how they could protect themselves. So what do you tell these people to put their minds at ease when you're having conversations with them around whether it's Alana or adding any sort of technology to their, their company? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a great topic and very timely. Um, one of the first questions or one of the first things I, I mentioned to anyone that, that has those type of uh, concerns would be um, have conversations with your trusted IT provider. We have trusted IT providers, you know, not only for Alana in a, in a super secure environment, but also any customers that we're interacting with. So we have technology that we have to, to marry up with their implementation of their production system. And so we had customers that were on the Cloudstar side of things, and they watched what they had to go through. But we also have other trusted partners in the industry that provide um, hosting services. And so they've done it. We've done podcasts together with them, and they talk about how important it is to understand security at multiple different levels. And so really, it comes back down to having a trusted partner and then having those conversations about security and really, really understanding each component of, of your overall plan if and when disaster strikes. You know, CloudStar is one example of, from the ransomware perspective, but let's just look at COVID. I mean, from an IT perspective, that threw everybody into a tailspin. And I was talking to, um, I was talking to one title company uh, CEO, and she was mentioning that if she hadn't have taken her servers from the on-site solution that she had because she loved her servers, she'd hug them every morning and that was where everything was and put them into the cloud. If she hadn't taken that step, then when COVID hit, she would not have been well prepared to have a dispersed uh, workforce staying and working in production that she otherwise uh, would have been kind of down with, with everyone else. So she really kind of related to this concept of what happens when disaster strikes. And so her specific example was that um, there was power, a significant power loss due to some hurricane type storms. And so since her data and everything was in the cloud, everybody was operating as normal from home. And then when COVID hit, everybody still had the opportunity to work from home and business as usual. Um, in today's age, I mean, in Texas, we, uh, we had a tremendous issue um, back in February to where we lost power for pretty much the most of the state. The ramifications from that was everybody's houses basically froze. And then that means plumbing broke. And that means flooding happened in all these homes. And it was just, a, it was really kind of a horrific scene from rural communities to, you know, Austin, downtown Austin and Dallas. And we all had very significant issues. And that was just, you know, kind of a natural disaster. It wasn't a hurricane, wasn't a tornado, wasn't an earthquake. I mean, this was just frigid temperatures and unprepared uh, infrastructure. Yeah, there are definitely the pros and cons that you have to weigh when you're deciding whether you're going to have your own servers or outsource that to a cloud-based service. And yeah, when you were talking about that, I was also thinking about natural disasters. We have a couple of our team members uh, from PropLogix that are stationed in Texas, and that was a terrible experience for them. So, you know, between 
being able to move your team to a remote based work from home sort of setup to being able to, you know, respond timely to any sort of disaster. It's a really important thing to think about when you're making those considerations. So yeah, that's, that's a really good, great point to make. I'm curious if you have any, any tips for title companies when they're evaluating new software or service providers, what are some of the, the key things that you tell people to think about when they're making those considerations, weighing those pros and cons. <laughs> I love that. I love that question. And believe it or not, I get it kind of often for the sake that first thing they say, is, people ask us, hey, does Alana work with ABC? And if we go, no, and it's like, well, what, what systems do you work with? Because we want Alana really bad and we're willing to change. <laughs> so, so it really get, puts us in a position of making a recommendation. And uh, one thing I always first and foremost talk about is, you know, as you're evaluating technology and there's usually a top two or three contenders in the marketplace, I really encourage folks to, to look at once the sale happens, what happens from that point on? Because the relationship you have after a sale in implementation and a year, two years down the road, I think is so much more critically important than the sales process and kind of that um, dating phase, if you will, because, you know, after the honeymoon, then it gets real. <laughs> and so, and so it's like, okay, what, do, what does that look like? And it's tough to see beyond that, but um, I, I encourage talking to customers, try to, to not get references from that company, but to find um, people that know other customers that have had the experience because that to me, the service after the customer becomes a customer to me is critical. Uh, you know, it's, it's hands down the most important part of a business. And I think as I talk to our customers now, um, I ask, I'll ask them, Hey, how, how's Alana working out for you? And it's funny. I, I always expect them to really talk about the product or talk about, you know, Hey, I love this feature or, Hey, this is great. Or can you do some other things? But, but I kid you not, the thing that comes up just about every time is they first say, we love your customer support. And that they, they more likely, they say, we love Penny. We love Racy. You know, these are our key front forward facing customer uh, support and customer implementation advocates. And so they're just like, we love these people. And then we love your sales guy and we love you. And, you know, it's like, they're just wrapping our, their arms around our company. Nothing's perfect. And I'm sure you, you guys, <laughs> you guys run into this too. There's going to be, there's going to be hiccups along the way. There's going to be road bumps all along the way. Those speed bumps are going to be there, but it's, it's not about if they're there or they're not, you know, in sales, it'll be like, Oh, it's a smooth road for as long as you can see, you know, truth is told, there's going to be some bumps. But it's like, what happens when you hit those bumps? You know, how does the company respond? How quick do they respond? What do they do? Do they listen to you? Do they blow you off? Do they understand your issue? Do they, do they embrace the problem and work together to get a solution? Or do they just go tough and, oh, we'll deal with that? Or, oh, it's, or they, they pass it off. Oh, that's a developer's problem. And we don't, we don't interact with those guys. And there's nothing we can do for you. There, there's a hundred of those stories. But, you know, from our perspective, it's, we just got to love on our customers. We got to let them know we're going to be there for them. And when things aren't good, we're going to admit that they're not good and we're going to work to fix them. Yeah, I, I agree. And at the heart of customer service, I definitely think is empathy, not just a willingness to listen to people, but really hear 
and mm -hmm. learn and show by action that you are really listening. And so I think that is super key to not just gaining new customers, but retaining them and then turning them into, you know, people who are, are raving fans, are evangelists of your solution, whatever it might be. That's, that's it. My goal is every customer should be a reference customer. And that's my, I say it from day one, is that every, we should have any, anybody who talks to our customers should be able to represent their experience with us in a very authentic way, whatever that experience might be. And, you know, we're going to work to make that the best experience. So, you know, talking about technology adoption, do you think that companies who are hesitant to adopt technology now should be worried about their competitors? It's, it's interesting because technology, I'm a utilitarian kind of guy. I mean, I, I don't advise people to adopt technology for the sake of adopting technology. I'm like, that's, that's crazy talk. I'm like, you, you have a problem and there's a, if there's a technology solution, get that solution to solve your problem. But I will say that, you know, given the, the, you know, Google reviews that are, that are happening. And if you're in a competitive landscape, the people that are going to fill out the reviews, the people that are going to look at those reviews more than likely are the people that you want that are kind of up and coming, if you will, as potential customers. And, and therefore that's important to have kind of a public reputation that wasn't as important a few years ago and now is critically important. So it's like, okay, well, if that's important, then what do we have to do to get a public reputation that is favorable? And so that means, interacting with your public, with your customers in a way that they are comfortable interacting with you. And that's where all these channels of customer support or all these channels of interaction come into play. You talk about a web chat channel, you talk about a phone call, you talk about a voicemail and you talk about emails and then you talk about texting. If you bundle all that together, making sure that each of those channels can actually create a, a favorable customer experience is really a challenge. I think that the companies that adopt these technologies that can give their staff room to work. So Dottie can answer the phone because the other 15 questions were answered via text and Dottie's not having to deal with 15 year, her, her, uh, her junior, <laughs> you know, type person that is asking these questions that Dottie just is not connecting with this person. Cause that's kind of the interesting component is that when people talk to another person on the phone, they, they connect or they don't. And there's a quick, I mean, it's just a blink type reaction. And so if they don't click, they're cut the, the ability to satisfy that person from a, just a general feeling when they get off the phone can really diminish. So yeah, it's a trick. Customer service is just a, such a tricky business overall. Um, but then again, coming back to your question, uh, which is, you know, technology can really, you know, give some advantages in the marketplace. And again, when you talk about staffing shortages, being able to have more capacity with a, a good quality core staff and not just going out hiring anybody and then bringing them on and trying to scale them up. Yeah, that can, that can be a big challenge. So how do you augment that is give Dottie more room to work and let her do what she does great and be able to still interact with the people that don't want to call. They don't want to talk to Dottie, even though she's a great person, <laughs> but they want to text. They want to get their information, give their information and just show up on closing and, and do their signature and be done. That's going to give them the five-star review they're looking for. Yeah, that's great. I think that that's um, a great one to end it on, unless you have anything else that you think is really important to share with our audience today. I would just say to keep an open mind. I mean, what, what was good business being done a decade ago 
we've come a long way in a decade. So just keeping an open mind, think about these new technologies coming into play and they might not, not be the best in every situation. It's not that it's, this is not the silver bullet. This is not going to cure any horrible type problems that we, we have in the industry. But what it can do is give us a bridge to the next evolution of where the industry is headed. And we're on a, a pretty steep, I think a pretty steep curve when it comes to the tremendous amount of volume that's coming through our industry and where we're expected to be as a true you know, business to business and business to consumer type organization. So we have to kind of continue to, to level up, if you will, and you know, let technology help us get to those next levels. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, technology is a great tool to help you, like you said, give your current staff the room to do what they do best. And I think that's a really important note to, to leave it on. And thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. This has been a great conversation and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much too. I appreciate you inviting me. Thanks again to Hoyt for joining me today. If you want to learn more about Alana, head to their website, alana.ai. That's A-L-A-N-N-A dot A-I. Title Talks is produced by PropLogics and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando and original graphics are by Jordan Norris. Until next time, happy closings. <laughs>